0: and wisdom to point them to Him. I'm your host, Bethany Kimsey. Welcome back to my kitchen table. I'm so glad you're here. I am drinking a hot coffee right now because it is so cold here in Georgia tonight. And I just wanted to welcome you back to this discussion about sibling rivalry. It is one that I think most moms wrestle with the most. What do we do with it? Do we ignore it? Do we engage? How much? How often? Do they grow out of it? Should I be content if they just kind of deal with one another and live parallel lives? What do I do with my kids? Because there's a lot of friction. So last week, we talked a lot about how we have to set our own mind, where our own um, expectations are at a certain place, and the vision of where we're trying to walk with our kids is a certain goal, a certain place out there that we are looking at, despite the up-close mess of a big fight, squabble, rude behavior, cruelty whatever, however you're experiencing it, in the moment, we both have to deal with the moment, and then we have to maintain a mindset. So if you missed last week, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. Really briefly, what I want you to remember and kind of refresh your memory is that you and I need to have a mindset that says this mess is the moment for God's message of his gospel to go forward. And I'm going to engage in it. I've been looking for these opportunities. I've been watching my kids and understanding the dynamics in my home. And I'm going to engage there not to bust my kid, not to just tell him we don't fight or don't act that way, but I'm actually going to walk my kid into an understanding of their own heart so that they can see, man, the way I'm acting, it's really just a symptom that I'm believing something different down inside my heart. And then we're going to walk our kid, our child, into the throne room of Jesus's grace and his gospel of steadfast love. And we are going to show them how Jesus answers the deepest cry of their heart Which is, am I good enough? Or is my brother or my sister better? And that insecurity that roots down there, that feeling of unworthiness or not being the one desired for whatever it is, needs to be addressed only by the gospel. It will not suffice for you or for me to tell our kids how great we think they are. They need to know that Jesus loves them and that he died for them and he has a plan for their life and that that plan includes the relationship with their brother or their sister that they're struggling in. And when we begin to have that conversation, because we have that mindset and we're watching for those opportunities, we can offer to them the beautiful love and show them the beautiful love that Jesus offers them and set up moments that they can see that. So you and I do not convict. We cannot make our child repentant about the way they have behaved towards their brother or their sister. And so this week we're going to talk about, well, then practically what do we do? That sounds great on this, you know, mental level, Bethany. But if you were sitting with me, you might ask me, Okay, so what do you do? You know, how do you walk your kids to this? So last week I shared at the end about my two preteen adolescent sons, and they are close in age, and they have been the best of friends since the second one of the two of them was born, and it is a beautiful relationship to watch. It, it really is remarkable. And so for many years, there was very little friction at all. And I marveled at it and I had prayed for it and I've prayed over my children. And and I would encourage you, grab those scriptures that talk about praying for your kids or praying that your kids will love each other with a love that is um, from God alone. So for instance, you pray um, Psalm 133, 1 says behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity stand on that scripture and pray for it for your kids Romans 12:10 is another one i quoted last week which is love one another with brotherly affection outdo one another in showing honor so i have i have prayed mightily for the this set of boys in our family of eight kids that because they just have a special relationship but the truth is they're both sinners And they annoy each other, and they don't treat each other well at times, and they pick on each other, and then they hide behind, I'm just kidding, but really they have totally cut to the quick, the other boy's heart, and all of these ways of one-upmanship and jostling for position, um, you know, from as simple as fighting over a football game in the front yard, to ignoring another or choosing to exclude and leave a child out in some family event. These are things they happen in our home and they, they happen a lot. So certainly we never want you to know that they happen a lot in the Kimsey home, but these are the moments. So my vision is set and I'm determined. These are the moments where the message of God's gospel goes forward. So therefore if I'm embracing that, how do I practically do it? Well, the first thing that I do is I'm going to get my kids alone. So I'm going to, when I have an eruption, or if I have just watched one child be cruel to another child, I'm going to pull that one child off to the side just quietly. I'm not shouting at them to go somewhere and time out. That's not what this is. I want them to have some time with the Holy Spirit. And so I'm going to pull them off. In our home, I have found the bathroom is very holy ground. Um, there's a lot of holy work the Holy Spirit does in our bathrooms. I'm convinced of it, but, but I've used it because for us, a bathroom is away from everybody else. There's not much going on in the bathroom, so you can't be distracted. You're kind of just sitting there. And you can calm down if you've been sent there and you're totally ticked off that I've sent you there. And quietly, you're asked to think. And that's really all I say. I say, usually I'll say, hey, I need you to go to the bathroom and just sit in there and think about what just happened. And I'll come in and talk to you in a little bit. So I'm trying not to respond with anger and I'm not taking up the offense that has happened to another child which is something we want to be careful about as mothers, that we don't, we see one child offending another child and we then become offended because they have offended that other child. We take up that offense and it becomes our own. And and that's not a good dynamic. And so I just usually say, hey, I need you to go sit in there. What just happened isn't okay. I need you to go reflect and think about it and I'll be in there to talk to you. Part of that is to get that child quiet and alone, space for the Holy Spirit to work and to talk, Part of it is to chill me out because the reality is when I see a child hurt, wounded, excluded, I mean, it it does rise up in me a desire to just defend them. And so I need to bring my own heart back before the Lord and remember my mindset and ask the Lord to equip me with the right words and the right way to approach this child in this moment to unlock his heart so that we can talk about what lies underneath this symptom of behavior. So the first thing I do is I send him to the bathroom. And so I'm going to pray purposefully for a way to speak God's truth in that moment. I'm going to sit for a minute by myself, and I'm going to think back about what I just saw, or I'm going to get the information from the other kids around if I can. And again, I'm going to view it, with a little bit of, I know that all all of us shade a story. So I'm, I'm going to look at that and and just listen and try and get the information. But really, I'm going to be prayerful and trying to figure out, okay, what happened? Lord, give me insight as to what might be going on in the heart of my child. That this would be the symptom that comes out. So what is the truth in their heart that they're believing And then I'm going to give great grace. You know, Jesus called himself in scripture. He said, I am gentle and lowly in heart. And he ran towards every sinner he engaged with. And he did not expect them to have good behavior before he engaged with them. And I really believe for you and for me That one of the best emulations of the gospel we can do is when our children are acting their worst, we run towards them with God's grace. Not a grace that covers them because, oh, it's okay. It's not a big deal. No, 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 no. It's a big deal. We're going to deal with it. But I'm coming towards you with grace, with humility of my own. And the reason is, is say understanding I am a sinner. I want to dodge confession. I want to rationalize my actions and defend what I do. I want to shift blame to another. I want to do all the things that my kid is probably going to do in that bathroom the moment I step in the bathroom to talk to them. I'm just as much of a sinner as they are. So we give grace as we lead them continually, back to the motives of their heart and we understand the squirmings the shifting blames we don't sit we don't stop there we don't go okay well I guess if they were just mean to you it's okay to be mean back no we're going to dig in there but we're we're not frustrated by it because we understand we do the same with God so we give them grace We lead them back to their heart motives and we seek to show them that their action doesn't line up with the word of God. And so that kind of a conversation is very simple. I have prayed about this before. I'm going, man, this child was this way. This is what the word of God says. And so I'm going to come in with, hey, you know, what do you think you did? Whether they own it or not, I'm going to say, well, you know, the Bible would say this. Do you feel like what you did lines up with, matches up with what God says over here in his Bible. To which usually they go, no, I don't. But when my children don't want to look honestly at their actions, here's a trick that I've used. And I use it a ton and I think it works great. Definitely did not invent it. I'm sure. I don't know who is genius enough to invent this. It, it was. It's a good trick. Um, I just reverse the situation. So that the, the point of reversing the situation is to highlight the motive of their heart. So if a child wants to claim that the other child wasn't hurt, they they weren't excluded. Mom, I wasn't insulting them. They they were not offended when I told them how ugly they were. They didn't care that I told them they couldn't play the game with us. They could have joined in if they wanted to, even though we told them we didn't want them with us. I reverse it and I say, well, I would like you to imagine with me that so-and-so, and I will pick somebody important to that child, whether it's one of their best friends, an older sibling that's really important to them, their dad or me or a grandmother, somebody important to them. And I say, what if they did not allow you to do this same situation? How would that make you feel? What would you think in your heart? You may not show it out loud because you might be embarrassed to show it out loud that they were that mean to you. But what would you think in your heart and what would that say about the way you feel about yourself? And then we begin to address the heart issue. So what is going on in your heart That would motivate you to say these things. And my posture, and I want to encourage you, my posture is not to condemn, to even to convict. I don't even want to be the convictor. That is the Holy Spirit's role in our bathroom situation. And then we begin to look at the underlying motives. Insecurity, pride, love of self. Selfishness, we help them begin to identify what was my motive. Because for Jesus to address the desperate needs of the heart, the person whose heart it is needs to understand their desperation. You know, Jesus speaks identity and security to our children through the gospel. He offers full forgiveness, comfort, and relationship when. We turn to him and the Holy Spirit will bring the conviction and the repentance. It's not you and me to do with our words. So my job is just to walk with them. Your job is just to walk with them into the truth with gentle grace, helping them look at the underlying heart. And I will often say, what do you think is the thought or the lie that you're believing that made you think it was going to be okay to say that, that made you want to say that, that made you feel that way, that motivated you to say that. Because I want them to begin to be people, men and women ultimately, who look for the lies that don't match up with the word of God, that they can they can spot them. And so then after we have ad- addressed their heart, and we've walked them with grace to the cross. We've said, this is what Jesus offers you. This is his wholehearted, unconditional, as Sally Lloyd-Jones says, never giving up unstoppable love, right? This is it. And then we look at the scripture together and we see what God really says. And finally, the last portion of what we're going to do as we walk with our kids is we want to give them a blessing because practically we are the one who is in this moment in the bathroom or wherever you're having this conversation. You are the worker working to restore relationship because relationship has been broken. So we talk a lot about relationship is broken when we wound another And relationship is restored when we repent. But you and I work in our homes, holding the gospel high to restore relationship. And one place that relationship is going to need to be restored is between you and me and our child in the bathroom. And the way we can do that powerfully is we can speak a blessing over our child in that moment. So as we've walked them through their heart, we have looked with them at the ugliness of their heart, the lies they believe, the selfishness that they've displayed. They are convicted. They're discouraged. Probably they go, Oh, I'm so mean. I'm so this, I'm so that. And so we combat that. We, we put that up against the grace at the cross and we say, but while you were a sinner, Jesus died for you. He has run to you with his arms wide open When you are the prodigal child who has messed it all up, he runs to you. And so, yes, you made a mess of today, but Jesus has run to you and we walk them through that truth and we then walk them in prayer to stand in the word and then we give them a blessing because we're going to restore our relationship with them and then we're going to walk them out to restore their relationship with the sibling that they have wounded and the way we do that is we remind them of God's redeeming work within them, that God has created them for his purpose now in our family and for the future. And the way we choose to love one another today impacts the kingdom because we glorify God and we point to Jesus' love when we love the unlovable right here in our family. Let me say that again. The way we glorify God is we love our unlovable child in their moments and we help them love who they feel is unlovable, which is their sibling. If they're both in a fight against each other, we're going to walk each one of them individually into this space of saying, I am inviting you to love your unlovable sister because you have been loved so greatly by God. These sentences will give your child a vision for his or her life of why they were created. They were created to bring glory to God. They are image bearers for his glory. But the enemy is prowling around each one of our kids. And he is growling his lies that your child is listening to whether it's worthlessness or fear or condemnation or doubt. And we have the opportunity to stand there with the gospel and hold it high on that room and say, no, Jesus loves you in this space. And I'm going to speak blessing over your life and speak truth into the darkness. So the blessing consists of pointing to the strengths that you see that God has placed inside your child. And we cast a vision for how those strengths are for kingdom work now with your brothers and sisters in this home, how you can, you know, contribute, but also for when you're an adult. So it's not only that I say, I see you in the way that you love this brother or this sister so well, you know, even just this morning, you were so kind to them at the breakfast table. But I also know that God has equipped you with the ability to see when someone else is needing help and you jump to serve. And I believe when you're an adult, you're going to be somebody who serves so well. And then we remind them that Jesus is working in them and he will strengthen them. Because he also will use all that they're weak in, all these places that they struggle, that they're discouraged, all these places he has designed to use for his glory. And so we speak with this hope for them and they are encouraged. So I hope this gives you a practical idea that goes along with the mindset from the week before. Again, I welcome all questions. I would love to hear your thoughts or anything that you're struggling with. Feel free to send me an email, An email. Um, get on my website. You can email me there. You can find me at Instagram. I'm always over there hanging out and we will talk again. I hope you enjoyed this episode of When God Breaks Through. If you're wanting to connect with me and with other moms walking in the same messy moments, head over to BethanyKimsey.com. That's where you'll also find the show notes with any links, as well as more resources you can grab to help you see that when God breaks through, when we see Jesus at work, the fuzzy intersection of real-life mothering and the gospel becomes very clearly defined. We can walk with confidence and purpose. Have a grace-filled day.